I'm Carol Joy Side, and welcome to the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. You're listening to episode 127. This is a podcast to help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Well, I am so delighted to be with my new friend, Dean and Sarah, today looking at him through a Zoom screen, not my favorite way to do life, but we're going we're gonna to figure this out. He and I are not, um, we're not high tech, right, Dean? We're kind of low tech. That's right. But it's great to be with you. And I'm thankful we have this, even though we're both struggling a little bit getting it to work. <laughs> I know. What would we do without our assistants? Both of right. social, right? Yes. So I had the pleasure of hearing you, Dean, on a podcast and you were talking uh, first about your book, Getting, would you, getting Over Yourself. And then would you give me the subtitle of that book? Yeah, Getting Over Yourself. Uh, the subtitle is Trading Believe in Yourself Religion for Christ-Centered Christianity. Because a lot of what we're hearing, hearing out there today really is just kind of motivational TED Talks disguised as Christian with a little bit of Bible verses sprinkled on top uh, when the scriptures are actually point us to Jesus, not to ourselves over and over again. So it's to help people see that phenomenon, what's going on out there right now, which I call this new prosperity gospel. Yes. And uh, it's not the old name it and claim it before. It's now that God wants you to reach your wildest dreams and kind of wants to be your life coach kind of idea. To help people see what's happening out there, especially on Instagram and other social media avenues, and then to see how God has something much better for all of us, and that's himself. Amen. And, yeah, so I hope that can be helpful for people. It's called Getting Over Yourself. It's super helpful. And as I heard you being interviewed, you talked about our responsibility to disciple our children. And in the homeschool community, I always tell parents that our primary goal is to mentor and disciple our children for eternity. And yeah, we care about whether they're smart, but we care way more whether they're godly. And I feel that the local church is our number one tool, apart from our family structure, of making that happen. And um, talk to me a little bit about you, I didn't mention, are the pastor of City Church in Tallahassee, Florida, which I called immediately a friend that's moving there to tell her, I found your church. So oh, come on, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been pastoring there for 15 years. 15 and, years. Right. And you and your wife, Chrissy, have three children, 15, 11, which are both boys, and then a little girl, the light of your life, who's seven. Yes. And so you speak as a parent as well as a pastor. So talk to me about the church's, um, you know, impact on our children's lives and why it's so important. Well, I think when, the very, when you first said that the, the home and the church, those two being the main avenues, you just described God's design. Right, like th those are God's two primary institutions, family and the church, and they're supposed to be in harmony together. Yes, your family is is the main area. That's level one, right? That's the varsity level of where evangelism and discipleship, you know, is to take place. But then God has given us the church. He's given us a spiritual family as well, and, and I think we have really kind of lost that, yes. and especially in the American church, and we've used spiritual language to justify it. Let me let me explain what I mean by that. We say things like, oh, well, you know, you don't go to church. You are the church. That sounds really nice and really spiritual. It's not true. It's both of those things. Like both of those things, are, they're, they're in harmony. We are the church and we go to church. And when you read the New Testament letters, they're all in the context. It's like assuming that people are part of a local church. 
Absolutely. because there there wasn't a category for a Christian who didn't go to who wasn't a part of a church. So yeah. so so every verse of the Bible does not have to be go to church, go to church, go to church, because he's writing letters to people who are part of local churches. You know, in, in a city under church leadership, there's elders, there's deacons, there's all these things, there's gatherings taking place. Uh, so I think that we really are in trouble. And I'm not an alarmist. This is just what's happening right now is we have this unchurched spirituality uh, that it was unrecognizable to the scriptures, but we're justifying by spiritual language and by uh, just believing that there's nothing wrong with that. It's becoming normal when really it should be very abnormal for a Christian to, to see it that way. Yeah, you know, my son is also a pastor, and I would say that one of the things that shaped him more than anything else was his childhood church and his youth pastors. And the kids that were in that youth group, every one of them are in full-time Christian ministry today. That's awesome. There was a wonderful, almost a revival, really, that took place among our kids. And um, it we used to say that JJ would go to church in a taxi cab if no one could get him there. Because it, it wasn't always for the best reasons. It was probably that there are a lot of cute girls and things like that. But, but the point is that once he got there, he was being met with the power of the Holy Spirit and prayer and worship and calls to holiness and accountability. And he didn't get away with anything because the leadership had his number, right? Because yeah. that's their family. That's what families do. And he's participating. The big picture of that is he's participating in God's design. Like what God has given him as a believer to be a part of and to flourish in is that. And I blame my generation. I'm 41. And I blame my generation a little for this uh, because we were raised in the 90s, right? So like in 90s and all we ever heard about in 90s youth ministry over and over again was a personal relationship with Jesus. That was every sermon. That was every song. It was every idea. And is that true? Does God want a personal relationship with us through Jesus Christ? Absolutely. That's true. But it became this main emphasis to where now as adults, you're hearing people from my generation go, well, all that matters is your relationship with God. So I can have a relationship with God on the boat, on the golf course, fishing, at brunch. You know, that's what matters. It's like, well, that's not what that means. Like it was never, Christianity was never designed to be a solo endeavor where you can go do your thing, as they call it, with God wherever you want to. That's just not the Christian faith. The Christian faith is about people existing in local churches together corporately expressing their relationship with Christ. So I think a good thing, like, hey, God wants a relationship with you, a good thing became really an off the rails, off the, off the train tracks uh, that led us to this belief oftentimes that you can totally have your own relationship with God independent of the church and it's no big deal. Yeah. That would be new. That, that's news to the Lord. <laughs> yeah, I mean, nothing's news to him. He knows all things. But but in terms, but, but by that I mean sarcastically. That is not that is not what he has given us. <laughs> so talk to us about the conflicts, particularly the you know. Um, I came out of the Jesus movement in Southern California, where we went to church literally seven nights a week. Bible study seven nights a week at Calvary Chapel, and um, one night was a rock concert. But most of them were Bible studies. And this idea of even just going to church just on Sunday to me is kind of like, yeah, what do you mean? I need more than that. But but many people are not even going to church just on Sunday anymore. Why is that? What are the, what are the interruptions that that are threatening our relationship with our church family? You know, the biggest thing is mindset. We've convinced ourselves that's OK and it's no big deal. Okay. And, and, then, and then functionally, as a result of that, we're putting everything else above it. 
So you said earlier that your spiritual health is even more important than your academic health or you know anything along those lines in terms of homeschool community, which I really appreciate that. But functionally, we're acting, every Christian would claim that. I've never met a Christian in my entire life that would say, my kid's athletic future, their academics, their social involvement is all more important than the church. I've never met a Christian who would claim that. Okay. Functionally, many are doing that. Because we're, because yeah, we're saying that you becoming famous or you achieving your dreams or you, you know, whatever it could be, it's all the, the beach, the golf course is all more important than, than you being part of the local church, which in the scriptures, the local church is tied to your spiritual health. They're not independent of each other. So the most important things about your faith, which your faith is the most important thing about you is how you view the local church. I'm not saying you're not going to go on vacation. I'm not saying you're not going to have days where you don't feel well. I'm not saying that, but I had someone tell me, a guy is significantly older than me. We were having lunch last week. And he said, you know, in Tallahassee, when somebody gets a beach house, you never see him at church again. Oh. And he's, being, he's, he's exaggerating a little bit, but in principle, like that really, really is a lot of truth that you just really don't. And, and, and because they just have a reason to be gone every weekend. We live in Florida. So a lot of people have Walt Disney World annual passes. They're gone all the time. And we're just saying over and over again that this is more important. Again, of course, you're going to have family vacations. Yes, you're going to go do things together. I work for this church, and I don't go 52 Sundays a year, okay? So I'm not trying to be legalistic about it. But, yeah. but there's just, again, the dis, we have to see it as strange and weird that this unchurched spirituality is actually a thing. Like, we have to. So what's getting in the way of it is the mindset and then what comes from the mindset are all these layers of the ramifications of it, which means, you know, my kid's baseball is more important. My kid's dance is more important. So on, and not just a sports thing. The couch is more important. You know, the beach. <laughs> there's just so many things. And also, we're not teaching our kids to, to learn how to bear burdens either. Uh, because now it's like, let's say you go to the youth ministry at a church, whatever you want to call it, student ministry. And it's like, well, I didn't really know anybody. Um, I don't, you know, I didn't really click. I didn't really fit in. You would never, so, so, okay, you don't have to go anymore. You would never use that logic with the travel volleyball team. <laughs> you know, if, if your kid came home from travel volleyball practice and said, well, I just don't really know anybody. I didn't really, you're not going to go, okay, we're done. No, you're going to say, hey, tough it out. It's going to be okay. Like, you know, this is, this is good for you. It, it just, we, we're, we got things backwards. Yes. We have things backwards and we need to talk about it out loud. This is, for some reason, this is a sensitive topic and it doesn't need to be. <laughs> It, it really is. There's people listening to this that are going to be mad at me. <laughs> but it's because we've convinced ourselves and programmed our minds to think this way. And we have to like reprogram. When I was a ballet student in my college years, my favorite part of class was the work we did at the bar. I couldn't get enough of the fundamentals of ballet. I learned something new each time I did my plies. I feel the same way about a seminar that I wrote many years ago called A Literature-Based Approach to Education. That's where it all began. This information is the basis for everything I teach. Without it, you'll be frustrated and confused. It is truly fundamental. On September 17th, I'm teaching that seminar in a live all-day event in Dallas, Texas. That day you'll receive 11 pages of my book lists that will be yours forever. At the end of the day, we'll have a live panel discussion with families that are using my methods who will be available to answer your questions. Bring your friends, relatives, spouses, and teens. 
It's so lovely being in a room of excited kindred spirit families. I will have loads of hand-picked books available that day for purchase. To register, please go to caroljoyside.com forward slash upcoming dash seminar. Early bird registration ends September 7th. Now back to the show. Well, so Dean, but I just want to sit home on the couch, people say to me, and we watch church on TV and we really enjoy it. And it's, it's a good fit for us. There is no such thing as online church. You can call it whatever you want. You're watching, you're watching a movie. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're watching a, a, yeah, it's just churches supposed to be expressed together. Now, again, are there, again, we're not being legalistic here. Are there exceptions? Of course there are. We know there are homebound people. You know, we know there is a season in our American life where if you are extremely immune compromised, like again, we know there's exceptions. Let's not be difficult here, right? Um, for in terms of our listeners, I'm sure they are, but um, but uh, but yeah, that's just it's not a real thing. And again, until thank God for technology and the advances of technology, that should not change God's design for us, which is be a part of His local local uh, body of, and of believers organized as a local church. God is a big fan of organized religion. You know, another trendy thing is for Americans to say that, like, I just don't like organized religion. Well, guess what the Bible is? The Bible is organized religion. <laughs> like Paul's writing letters going, oh, dear church, organize your religion. And here's what it looks like. <laughs> so all these things we say are not biblical. They sound really spiritual. And we just got to push back against that in a way that exalts the name of Christ and exalts the bride of Christ as the local church is a good thing. And this is his design for us, for people who believe his gospel and also the light post for the world right. you know, to, to see who Jesus is. So, Dean, if, if my extended family were having a family reunion and I said, well, I'm just going to phone it in or I'm just going to like you film it for me. Would that be the same as me driving to you know, Omaha or wherever the family's from and being with my family? What would be the benefit of me being physically present, embodied in that day? Well, another angle out of that, too, is your family would be outraged. That's right. You know, unless you were, unless you were actually sick, they'd be like, what, you know, are you really not going to come? It means a lot to mom. It's, we haven't seen you in this long. Like they, they would give you a really hard time. That's right. right? I mean, it, it would be a thing. It'd be considered almost offensive, you know, because they want you there because why you're part of the family. Yeah. And you're you know, and, present, but you're also relationally present in a very different way. Yeah. And you bring something to the table. Yeah. It's not just what you get from it. They want you there because you're part of it. So they want your personality there. They want your gifts there and they want your stories and, and they want your presence. So yes, we're, we're receiving from it. It's going to, you're going to be blessed by your family being there, but also you bring something to it. Amen. So it's not just what can the church do. For, it's going to kind of go John F. Kennedy. Uh, what can not, not what you can, what your country can do for you. It's, it, it's what your church can do for you, but also what you can do for your local church. It's both of those things. And you're, and you're not going to Omaha for the family reunion. Both those things are being missed out. What you bring to the table and what you receive from it. And let's camp on what you were just saying, because this is something I say, everyone I disciple, because I was taught this as a new believer. When you walk into church, ask the Lord, who can I be a blessing to? Who needs prayer? Who needs me to sit with them? Who needs me to introduce them to people? Instead of, well, nobody said hello to me and I'm not going back or nobody paid attention or blah, blah, blah. Same thing in youth group, as you said, it's saying to your kids, why don't you pray about who you're going to bring to youth group? And then you've got somebody there that you know. And why don't you reach out 
um, introducing that friend to other people there instead of it being all about me. Like church isn't all about me, is it? No, and it's we we say that a person standing alone is a state of emergency. Amen. <laughs> you know, and yeah. and also we're also teaching kids to be missional in that context. That's and I want I want to just give an encouragement to the homeschool community, like being a part of a cohort once a week. That's not enough. I mean, like that if anyone should even see more than need, you know, for for your kid. Yeah, you have your sports teams and things like that, but to be a part of a spiritual community outside of the of the of the regular rhythm of the homeschool calendar it should it should be our listeners today that they know like we want our we got our kids to go be a part of this and take what they're learning at home and go apply it into this context and yeah and i would say that the church is even more important to a homeschooler and that was the case for my son is that <clears throat> these were his mother's fathers uncles aunties grandparents cousins big brothers and sisters the church becomes so much a part. It is your peer group. It is your social life. And it should be. Absolutely. Like it is not in a shelter way in a, here's what I call, I've used this language at our church lately, a good echo chamber. Mm. And what do I mean by that? The phrase, the term echo chamber is really frowned upon in our culture today. Oh, you know, you're just in an echo chamber. You're just in an echo chamber. Well, that should not be our exclusive world. But in this discouraging world, this secular world, this godless world, where so much messaging is coming out as a hundred different directions that is not of the Lord. We need to gather together and have a good echo chamber where I realize I'm not crazy. <laughs> there are people who also believe that Jesus rose from the grave and it matters to their life. Yes. You know, like I, I need that. And so, and that needs to be out, not just your family. That needs to extend outside your family. And I think it's great for, for your kids to be able to show up at a local, at their local church regularly and go, wow, look at these college kids who think it's okay to follow Jesus. That's right. You know, look, look at this, look at this family over here that, that, that like, we're okay. My parents aren't crazy either. <laughs> you know, like this is not just our thing. This is bigger than that. Yeah, it's just, again, there's so many benefits as well. It's just, God, of course, God knew what he was doing. This is what he gave us, right? This is what he gave us. So, so who are we to say, God, I know you gave us this, but I don't think my family needs it. Who am I to say that? That's, a, that's gutsy, <laughs> right? Yeah. Is what it yeah. is. There are so there's such protection in being part of the body. It's being under an umbrella. It's being under a covering. It's being um, accountable. It's being corrected. Like you know, if I'm just me, myself, and I, I feel like I'm doing great. I am a rock star. But the, as soon as I come under the word of God, I'm being corrected. I'm being rebuked. I mean, that's what Timothy says. The word of God is for those purposes. And it's yeah. Important. I mean. Yeah, could you imagine Paul writing that letter to Timothy and saying, hey, um, I have some instructions, but you know, it doesn't really matter because all that really matters is your own personal relationship with Jesus. So we're not going to talk about it. I'd say, Come on. I mean, it's just not, that's just not reality. That's not what God's given us to the church. And so I, I just want to see people say, this is going to matter to our family. This is going to be a priority in our life. Uh, we call it a Saturday night decision. Sunday morning church is a Saturday night decision where you know, but you know, before you go to bed, hey, you know, we're going to church tomorrow. Just everybody knows we're going. You know, who oh. gets to the point where if you don't go, the kids think it's weird. They go, wait, we're not going to church today. What's going on? Okay. But may I even say it isn't, are we going to church? It would be like saying, are we brushing our teeth tomorrow? Yes. For a Christian, that should be normal. Absolutely. And I tell everyone I mentor this, it's like, we don't get up in the morning on Sunday and say, should we go to church? That is not a decision any more than brushing your teeth is. Christians go to church. We It's the gathering. It's the ecclesia. Absolutely. You said it perfectly. I'm with you 100%. <laughs> I, love yeah. I love it. I love it. It's too bad we don't agree on anything. <laughs> so talk about 
about choosing a church? Well, first of all, there's two things I want to talk about. One, talk to me about not having the pastor for lunch. Do you know what I mean by that? It's an old phrase that means that you analyze, critique, judge, the, right? Okay. Yeah. That makes me physically ill when I see families do that, that I'm with. And it hasn't happened in years, but I used to know a family that would critique and analyze and criticize the sermon and the church every Sunday at church. I mean, every Sunday afternoon after church. And I would just get so angry and so grieved. Tell me about how we teach our children to love our pastor, to pray for them, to pray for our leadership, to honor them, starting with mom and dad honoring them, and then the children being raised to do the same. Well, yeah, I I really appreciate you asking that question, actually. And I think first we need to realize that if there was a perfect church this side of heaven, it wouldn't be anymore once you showed up, <laughs> right? So because it just doesn't exist. So the human yeah. side of things just really matters. And God gave God didn't give us our churches to be for us to sit around and just critique them all the time. If there's false teaching going on. That's a different kind of conversation. That's, right. uh, that's not, that's not a lunch conversation. That's like a church elders or church board, or every your church functions kind of conversation. But yeah, but, but we don't want the kids to see that as, as a, as a negative place. So don't start putting in their mind negative thoughts about the church. And also it's so easy to become cynical in our culture and become just so critical in our culture. And the place where you should be able to be guarded from that is your local church. So your expectations need to lower and by that, not for people to live lives that honor Jesus, not, not those kind of things, but what you expect the church to be. You know, it, it's imperfect people coming together to exalt a perfect Christ, folks trying to live on mission together in, you know, in holiness and live their lives for Jesus. But just, I, I would just say, just be really careful about that. I, I had someone, actually my, my counselor had a conversation or a counseling session. Yeah. You know what he told me? He told me this like a month ago. He said, you know what, Dean? Everybody wants their pastor to be normal until he is. <laughs> You know, and, and that's really true. You know, so a lot of times pastors get criticized because they're just regular, normal people. When, when on the other side, you're like, oh, well, you know, he's just so like kind of ivory tower and he's not accessible and not approachable and all these kind of things. Then they, they become more normal, more, and then it's like, oh, well, you know, I think he's just kind of this kind of, I would just, again, they're, they know they're not perfect. That's why they preach the gospel, right? So, so I would just say just to guard your mind from cynicism and, and from critique, because that's everywhere else in our culture, the church shouldn't be the same way. We, we must be different. That's right, Dean, because love covers a multitude of sins, and we want to honor our pastors, um, and the Bible is very clear about that, that we're to honor those in leadership and that give and feed us the word of God, honor them in every way we can, and pray for them. Um, you know, I love the tradition of praying for your church at every meal. Love like that. praying for your pastor, praying for your church at every meal, where your children know that you're in partnership and, and you're honoring those in authority and blessing them. And here's so, what you just, and here's what you just said there. I don't know if you, I'm sure you realized it, but what you just said was in having something like that, that sounds so simple, like including your church and your prayers, you've declared it to be a regular rhythm in our lives, right. but the church is, is part of our lives. So it is on our mind at dinner when we pray. Right. And it, it like, and, and that's just, again, sadly, again, that's so Christian normal, mm -hmm. but sadly that's become unique. And it, but here's the good news though: it's not too late to change that trend for your family, mm. you know, and to say, "Hey, this is who we're going to be." Maybe maybe you need to publicly, not publicly, but apologize to person, somebody in private. Maybe you need to talk to some some friends in the church and go, "I'm sorry that we've not been a part of this. I'm sorry that we've been MIA. Like we just, I, I give you a hundred excuses, but we realize that we've been wrong, and it's time to make us a thing." Amen. Yeah. And yeah. and not be consumers, 
but be part of the solution. If you're like, totally. well, women's ministry is weak. Really? Well, then why don't you come up with some better options? And are you volunteering? You totally. know, things like that. It's just a change of heart where you have ownership. It's like you're not renting, you own, you know? Own, yeah, absolutely. I, I know churches that call their members owners. Oh, that's good. I love that. Yeah, I love because because if you're at a gym and the treadmill breaks, you go tell somebody. That's right. If you own it, you got to fix it. <laughs> you know? So when Jesus owns, Jesus owns the church, but we're little mini owners next to him, you know, it's yes, his co-labor. So yeah. Yes, we are. All right. Now let's talk. Last thing I want to talk about is yeah. choosing a church that your children love. I, I work as a consultant with families and I say to them, I would take a helicopter to get my child to a church they want to attend and where the Lord is really moving in the youth. And so it might not even be the church we go to on Sunday. Maybe they don't even have a youth group. Some people go to very small churches, but I'm like, you get your children under the spout where the glory comes out. So talk about choosing a church where your children encounter the living Christ. Yeah. And there's different opinions on that, about how family worship is supposed to happen and those type of things. I'm in your camp. Now, my one thing is I would want someone to be at the same youth ministry and kids ministry as they are church on Sunday in general. I, I, I think that's how we can prevent kind of some consumer stuff. So we walk, a fine, we walk a fine line there because we don't want to create little consumers, but at the same time, we want a church they enjoy, right? So at this time in our cultural moment where kids are maybe disillusioned with, just think it's boring, whatever it could be, that should be a crime in our churches if kids are bored and don't like our churches. So when, so when choosing a church, I always say, what do they believe? That that's number one, most important thing. Number two, what are they doing with what they believe? Are they just a holy huddle? Or are they actually like on mission together? And the third thing, would I want to invite my friend who's not a believer here? And I think the kid category fits under number three. Yeah. You know, because they might be a believer by now, but like this is their, this is what they're going to know as a kid. This is going to be their church experience. So they're going to see the local church as lame, out of touch, not worth their time, boring, roll their eyes, you know, color in their bulletin, whatever the whole time. Or they're going to see it as I cannot wait to go. Like I love my kids love going to our church. And uh, yeah. And so we, we take kids ministry really seriously. Uh, we don't do the everybody in church together thing. Now, if they want, if people want to, of course they can. There's no rules about that. We have a dynamic children's ministry that exists the exact same time that our worship service is happening. We have uh, middle school, and high school ministry. It's dynamic. And we, we care about it a ton because we were responsible to the next generation. So I would say, you know, really, what does it look like for the church you're at right now? If the kids aren't excited about it, maybe maybe have some hard conversations with the leadership there about what, what could happen and what, what your dreams can be for that church. But I, I would say that it's worth finding a church that your kids are going to be excited about. And because one, most importantly, because what they believe, but also because what they do for children and you that matters. It just does. Like, like we have one shot. Right. I mean, this is the one window. And, and so let's make church something they're, they're thrilled about. Yeah, sometimes I work with families and they're in grandma's church or they're, and I'm like, well, you know, that's fine, but your children are your priority. You're going to stand before God and you're going to answer to him for what you did with these, the, the discipleship of your children. You may have to give up the church you want to go to where you just feel comfortable and you grow up or whatever to be at a place where your children's needs are going to be met. Put that first. When they're grown, you can go to church anywhere you want. Yeah, totally. Up, it's a priority. We're on still on the same page. <laughs> I, know, yeah. I know. I think we're twins separated from birth. So, Dean, would you uh, close us in prayer? I'd be glad to. Thank you. Yeah, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this uh, this podcast that 
I can be a blessing to many people. I thank you for 127, I think it was, episodes that uh, just your grace and just you using this. So we just ask for more and that you increase it to bless others, uh, to help make disciples uh, through this context. And I just thank you for the local church, uh, this gift that you've given us. And I thank you that we were purchased, we were redeemed to be a part of it. Uh, so I said, we'll take that seriously, that what you have designed, that we will make a priority in our lives. And maybe for those who have kind of shied away or have gotten just out of the habit, whatever it could be, teach us good habits, teach us good routines. We know that oftentimes through the routine is where true disciples are made. And I just ask that those that maybe have wandered away will come back. And then our churches will be dynamic because we want to be vibrant churches for our communities that point people to Jesus, the good news of the gospel, and uh, your plan for us as believers united together at churches. So again, we ask that you uh, bless the hearers of this, of this message, this conversation. I thank you for it and uh, allow us to be found faithful. We're thankful for Jesus in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dean. And thank you, listeners, for joining me this week on the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. I love to help families homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. When you help me get the word out about what I'm doing here, I appreciate it so much. Until next time, remember, Jesus' commands are not burdensome. What he calls you to do, he will enable you to do. Blessings.